I could just function on autopilot to like 1230. Yeah. Uh, my days of staying past, say, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and then being a functioning functioning individual the next day are pretty much over. And, and if you yeah, mix alcohol true. within that at any stage, yeah, I'm, I'm totally hosed, you know. Yes. Something happened magically when I turned 30, like the very next day after my 30th birthday, and all of a sudden I couldn't handle alcohol anymore. Yeah. Gets worse. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, AJ, I don't know that yeah. you had the pleasure of meeting Paul or Patty. So, no, um, I haven't. Yep. Yeah, so, um, Patty, I don't know if you want to give a quick bio and then Paul and then that way – AJ yeah, we can as well, and then we'll kick this thing all together. off. Yeah, No one likes to talk about themselves. Um, <laughs> I'm a retired Army uh, information technology person. Um, probably spent about well, a third of my career supporting special ops, which was a lot of fun. Um, pretty generic career other than that. Uh, in 2007, I wound up becoming an amputee as a result of a traumatic accident. Um, and I was lucky enough that the Army let me stay for eight or nine more years. And... Um, that was pretty swell. Um, retired in 2015, and um, now I'm the I work. I'm back in federal service, so I've okay. glossed over a lot. Robert will fill you in if he thinks you need to be filled in. <laughs> I don't like to talk about myself. Well, you can you can go back and listen to one of her episodes. She's she's a lot. <laughs> huh? Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, she kind of gave the uh, the Cliff Notes version, but there's uh, much more interesting pieces. Go ahead, Paul. Um, so just your basic infantry guy, I spent most of my career with third ranger battalion, did the sniper cool. thing for a little bit. And then I got the lifetime warranty cause I broke all my stuff and I got out right on Savannah. Yeah. No, I was down in Fort Benning. Oh, and I'm sorry. Benning. My yeah. 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 There, there is one in Savannah, but okay. All right. I got the good duty station. Patty's been a podcast host for probably officially a month, but she's been with us probably four months, would you say, Patty, or five months or longer? Might even been a year. Got it. You know I what? I think I've been around about a year. You've been I a think year I've been or more. Five or six. Yeah. So definitely a full-fledged co-host. And so we made it official, I have official. A t-shirt. Yeah, she does have a t-shirt. So, so. done. Yeah. So she's uh she's now the full-fledged. Uh Paul has been with the show for about probably 3 years. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. it's been, yeah, three and a half, something like that. So um <clears throat> anyway, we occasionally bring on different hosts and um these guys were available and, you know, I was too and so this is how we're making it happen. So AJ uh was on episode 250. I wrote that down so that I would remember. So maybe you can share a little bit about your background real quick so these guys will kind of be familiar with that as well. Sure, sure. So, um, so yeah, I joined the Navy in 2000. Um, I was uh, search and rescue. Uh, I had the opportunity, wonderful opportunity, to go to uh, dive school and, and uh, CRC and Sea West and a few other places. Um, uh, I'm an OIF-1 vet. I went to... Iraq in 03, and Afghanistan 04. Uh, I hated the Navy, so I changed over to the Army. <laughs> I did met, I did medevac for two years. Um, and then um, uh, I managed to get into a fun unit. I went to Germany, and I uh, hurt myself quite a lot over the course of my career. I'd broken both my shoulders, surgery and my feet. Um, few head injuries, sinus cavities collapsed, I've been stabbed, burned, broken bones. Um, anyways, I got into a hard landing and, uh, broke my back in two places. 
And then uh, I got put in the MEB. I spent two years learning to function again. And then I passed everything in 2014. And the Army said, we don't care. Uh, good luck with life. Wow. So they uh, they gave me 60% disability. And I fought it, kicking and screaming. I went to the board and uh, pleaded my case in front of all the doctors. And uh, they said, that's nice, but Obama's trying to get rid of 400,000 people. And anybody who's medical or disciplinary is gone. And uh, and I had a warrant officer pack it in. And that didn't, you know, it didn't uh, pan out. So I retired in 2014. I uh, did a few years of consulting, started a couple companies. And uh, I also work for the uh, DOD as a civilian right now as well. Cool. What we talked about the last time was toxic leadership. And we thought this time what we would do is instead focus on a topic that's probably near and dear to a lot of leaders, and that's in trying to motivate their personnel and find ways to do that all the time. And everybody has a different approach to this and a different mindset. Um, there are different behaviors, there's different cultures, and there's you know different outside forces that can change that. Um, so, you know, AJ, as a leader coming up, whether you're an NCO as an officer, and especially in these trying times, you know, we're dealing with things like, you know, COVID and other, you know, outside things. Then there's the civilian or the, um, I should say, there's the garrison leader then versus the combat leader. There, there's different types of ways in which you've got to motivate your personnel. And, you know, I want to kind of get into those differences and what those might be. Oh, the, okay. So that's, that's, a, that's a lot of butter on bread right there. <laughs> um so i would say that uh sure everybody has a different perspective and things come from different directions and people come from different walks of life but when it comes to motivation there's a few million dollar questions what what causes motivation what are the different kinds of motivation that that exist and more importantly what are the commonalities or the intersections between those? You know, those are the kinds of things I think that everybody, regardless of what position uh, or what your background is, that um, if you if you knew what those were, then you could find uh, yourself relatable to the people you're trying to lead and spark that motivation within them to get the job done. Um, I, I'll say I'll say that I in my in my personal experience, I think it's backwards. Uh, you have to approach it from the reverse perspective. You have to go about about, the, about it backwards. And what I mean by that is, I remember on the last episode, you know, we talked about leadership, and we, you know, I rattled off the the army's definition of leadership, right? Influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation in order to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. It, in order for you to meet that definition, to to accomplish the mission and improve the organization, you have to go about it backwards. That's what I'm talking about. Look at the definition in reverse, right? To accomplish any goal um, of any kind, people people need to be motivated to want to achieve and grow. But before real motivation can sprout within a person, right? People need a direction to apply their efforts toward. Uh, they they need a vision, an objective, uh, something meaningful to them, worthy of striving for. Otherwise, they're just not going to do it. Uh, but I, I would argue that it's not enough to just have a a mission at hand, and it's not enough to just uh, you know, pick a direction and try to inspire people, right? And you got to ask a bigger, bigger question. The bigger question is why in the world should they even care? Why, why, why should people work so hard uh, to get there? Why, why endure hardships and trials and 
try to move mountains and cross oceans in order to reach whatever that goal is that that you're that you're striving for either individually or collectively you know this is this works on both the individual level as well as the team level okay so the real question is what makes people willing to embark on a journey to achieve great and meaningful things and it's the the answer in my opinion is the very first major word in that definition and its purpose right if you if you if you provide a purpose if you give people a purpose something internalized internally meaningful to the to those people uh, or to yourself then that's the thing that is going to spark internalized motivation which is the only real form of motivation within a person right there's two types of motivation there's internal and external external motivation is is things like you're cold so you put on clothes or you're hot so you take clothes off you're hungry so you eat something or you got your boss yelling at you so you do whatever you need to do to get that to stop right because it can be psychological as well it can also be um social social rule systems theory states that people will typically take a course of action to align with that whatever the predominant social outlook is uh so those are all external motivational factors but that's not real motivation real motivation is internalized motivation and the million dollar question is what causes what creates what grows internalized motivation within a person and i would argue every time that it's purpose people will forget everything about uh whatever goal it is they're trying to do without purpose right lack of motivation occurs with a lack of purpose uh people will quit on their organization they'll quit on uh their teams they'll quit on their missions they'll quit on themselves and sometimes they'll even quit on life itself without a purpose so when I've after I gotten out of the military, I've talked about people. I've talked about uh, my fellow service members about this quite a lot. The number one thing that gets most service members post service is a lack of purpose. It's the number one thing that causes depression. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest thing that creates suicide in our community. Is not having something worthy in their mind to drive them on to 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 get them going towards whatever path it is that they need to go down to get them moving again to get them motivated again. Find your purpose, and you're going to create motivation within yourself. Provide purpose for your team, and you can motivate your team to accomplish anything. Let me tell you, a highly motivated team can accomplish anything, and a highly motivated individual can accomplish anything. They can climb the tallest mountains and dive to the deepest depths of the ocean, all because they have something worthy to themselves that's pushing them and driving them on. So I would say, in my opinion, that that intersectionality between all these different backgrounds of leaders trying to figure out what motivates their team or all these different people that are trying to figure out how in the world am I going to, you know, accomplish this great and meaningful thing in my life, find a purpose, whatever that purpose is, write it down, define it very clearly, break it down to the most simplest sentence or group of words you can. And that will become your motivation. I'm sorry. That was a lot all at once. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's perfectly fine. I think that's the the challenge that I see for a lot of military members when they get off active service is that perhaps they didn't have a purpose before they came in. They were relatively young. Um, they came out of high school for the most part, especially if they're enlisted individuals. If they are officers, they may have went to college after high school, but they never really found their purpose because after that they went ROTC or OCS or something and came right into the military. Their military... Um, MOS, their their team, the people they surrounded themselves with, the missions that they did, the the role that they had within the service became their purpose. 
they created it as their purpose. So when then they when they then transition out, I think that's why these individuals struggle so um, so much is because when I ask someone who has been in the military, what's your purpose? It's hard for them to to find a purpose on the outside, as they put it. You know, I had a purpose. I had a job. I had a role. I felt like I was doing something. You know, if I was medically discharged, the rug came out from underneath me and I had to make a, a quick pivot. I was lost, didn't know what I was doing. Or you find individuals that come off active duty and they thought they had a great plan and they thought they were going to be able to land straight on their feet. And yet they still didn't have the purpose. And I guess that's kind of where you were, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm on plan number five <laughs> and it's work. It's working out finally, you know, but some, some of those plans, they required long-term effort. And I think that's one of the, it's easy in some senses to be motivated in the military because it's, it's a long duration of effort towards a goal that, that you achieve and whether that's making a certain rank and getting out or, you know, earning a GI bill in four years, or you want to do your 20 and retire. But all along the way you have mentors mentoring you, which is good, but you also have these little gates that you're passing through. Like you, you get done with, red phase or whatever they call it in basic training. And it's like, okay, well now I get to eat from a different line in the chow hall or I, I can tie my shoelaces the way I want to instead of being told how to. And, and that continues, you know, every year there's another gate that you must pass through and every, you know, month or quarter there, there's the same things. And I, I was listening to this neuroscientist cause I want to learn some new words. And he, he said like, that's, that's what makes people successful when they're going through a selection process or when they have to do something like advanced degrees, they, if you just look four or five years down the line at whatever your purpose or your goal is like that, that's going to be, become overwhelming. And the little minutia of life can, can eat you up and can sway you from your course. But the people that are successful are the ones that are like, all right, I finished this class or I finished this paper or I passed the EIB and then they reward themselves. And they remind, that's, that's your reminder. Okay, well, I'm being successful towards this one purpose. I think that you expect the same success when you get out of the military, but then you forget that, you know, that college degree is four years away, just like your E5 or E6 or whatever your goal was or your ETS date, if that's your goal. But you have all these little rewards along the way and there's nobody else to give them to you. And so finding a way to motivate yourself to continue for that long duration effort that you need to do to be successful when you're out I think that's kind of fundamental to what we see when we see veterans flounder a little bit when they get out. I, I completely agree with you hundred percent on that. And, um, so there, there's a parallel you can draw between, um, veterans getting out of the military and, uh, kids that are just getting out of high school and going to college. And, uh, so I've done, I've done this talk with kids going uh, that are in, at universities as well before. Um, the typical pathway of most uh, people that go to college in the United States, they go because they're told that it's the next step in life, not not because they want to go, uh, not because there's this strong desire. There's very few that are. But did you know that like only 12 percent of all jobs in existence actually require a college degree? That's it. That's it. Just roughly about 12 is more or less somewhere around there. 12 percent of all jobs in existence actually require a college degree. Ninety percent of those are STEM degrees. So there's a lot of BS degrees programs out there. What we have is a culture that for 60 years preached that college was the next step. Mm-hmm. And we did that uh, back, you know, back when we socialized college, when we socialized higher education by offering uh, uh, federal financial assistance. 
In fact, federal financial assistance is the reason why college is so expensive today. If we didn't have socialization of, uh, of benefits to pay for college, then college would still be affordable. Um, but that's, a, that's an economics discussion for another time. Uh, the point is that most kids that go to college at high school do so because they're told that they need to do so. And it's like joining the military. Uh, they, there's a lot of motivation to want to initially do really well and, and hammer through classes and courses, but there's no real direction and there's no real purpose for them to go. And so the, the way the story typically plays out and stop me if you've heard this before, or, uh, if you, if you disagree at some point, let me know. Um, imagine that you're an 18 year old kid and, uh, you go to college, you, you party for a bit, you take a couple classes, two years go by, you're entering your third year and you're sick of being in school. So you go to, you're tired of it. You're like, that's it. I want to get out and I want to make some money. So you go to your counselor and your counselor says, well, you have all these credits in these areas. And if you, if you just take these remaining courses, you'll get this degree in this particular area. Right. And you say, okay, I'll do it. Cause that's my quickest way out of school. So you end up getting a degree that you didn't plan for that uh, doesn't, you know, align with any particular thing in your life. And the next thing you do is you well, I need to put this degree to work. So I, I go out and I look for a job. And you find a job in some career field that you can use your degree in. You end up doing that job for 30 years. You're depressed. You're in your late 40s, early 50s. You hate your life. You can't stand what you do. You know, you drink all the time and uh, you're depressed and, you know, you have a midlife crisis, suffer a breakdown and maybe have. So this is the plight of most people in the United States. And what happened? What happened was that they didn't plan their future success based off of a singular purpose in their life. And uh, what I argue that people should do, even in the military, we do this a lot, but we don't internalize this. And I argue that uh, students that go to college, whatever your age group is, uh, should do the same thing. You should reverse plan your success. And here's what I mean by that. Stop thinking about going to college for whatever reason and start thinking about what you love doing in life. And I know this is going to sound childish, but I, I tell college students to do this crap. Get a couple, get a piece of paper and write down four or five hobbies. I'm, I'm serious, hobbies, that you, things you love doing, things that you enjoy doing. I don't care what it is, hobbies, uh, not work. Write down four or five or hell, even 10 hobbies, uh, things that you could honestly see yourself doing and taking enjoyment in for the rest of your life. Next step, now do some market research and find four to 10 career fields that loosely align or directly align with those hobbies. They don't need to be exact, but if you can utilize your hobbies in those career fields, then that's a good match. Write that down, right? Next thing, now do some market research and, and write down four to 10 different degree programs that align with those career fields. You haven't even looked at colleges yet, right? I've heard so many people that have, uh, when I went and talked at, um, at a few universities uh, a couple of years ago, and people would tell me that, well, I'm going here because my parents went here. So that's why I wanted to come to this school. Yeah, but what if that school doesn't have the degree program you want? So why are you even going there? Okay, so next, now that you have degree programs, go research schools that offer them and pick the one that has the lowest tuition, you know, as long as it's accredited. There's no reason to pay $100,000 in tuition over four years. Go to a community college for two years and then go to the university you want that offers. I'll tell you right now, um, uh, Fort Hayes State University in Kansas is an internationally accredited and regionally accredited university, $96 per credit hour for undergraduates. Wow. There you go. There you go. Right. 
So there's, that's the way to go to college. But it started off with you finding something that you could honestly see yourself doing for the rest of your life. And then you reverse planned your key to success. Now, just like you were saying before, you're on your fifth plan, right? I, I, I'd be hard pressed to find anybody that's not on their fifth plan. If you're on your first plan and you're in your thirties or your forties, you're a liar, right? That doesn't exist. Murphy's law is in effect at all times, right? The best laid plan does not survive first contact with the enemy. Therefore, the next step you should do when you reverse plan your key to success is to build built-in contingencies. Plan for the immediate failure of your plan and then find a way to get back on track and build in a contingency for that and a backup plan for that and a tertiary plan for that. Everything leading back to the common goal. That's how you go to college. That's how you become successful at life. It doesn't matter whether it's college or the military uh, or a business that you started up. It doesn't matter if it's a Fortune 500 company that you just got hired for to be a consultant or, you know, a member of the C-suite. Reverse plan your success in all things. And, and reverse planning is not, I'll eventually get there. Reverse planning is, this is the date I want to be successful, and I'm going to manufacture that reality. That's what it is. That's the reality of what reverse planning is, is I'm manufacturing reality. I'm not saying that. I'm going to go to college for four years and somewhere around, you know, 2000, whatever, I'm going to finally graduate. No, it's I want X to happen on this date, by this date. And I'm going to plan out every way to make that happen. And by that date, come hell or high water, that's what's going to happen. That's going to be the reality. That's what reverse planning is. That's the way the military does operations. And I would argue that that same skill set could be carried over and related to pretty much any other endeavor in your life. It's so funny that you state it that way, because as you were talking, I was thinking about my own um, transition that actually I had planned for 10 years prior, because at my 10 year mark, I tried to make a decision. Do I want to re you know, remain in the military? Do I want to re remain in the army long enough to receive a military retirement? Or do I want to go ahead and make the move now? So I put my resume together. I, I threw it out there, tested the waters. I actually went to several interviews. Boy, I was cocky. You know, I walk into the room. I sat down um, with these individuals. They start asking me these uh, these uh, questions around the table. And um, I was stupid, man. And I felt <laughs> so bad when I, when I got back on that plane and flew back. I realized <laughs> I am not ready for this transition right now. And they're not ready for me. So I've got to make some adjustments. And that's exactly what I did is I started thinking about what is it that I want to do after I separate from the military, if I'm going to go ahead and pursue, you know, staying in and maybe uh, adding additional schools, whether it be military or, or college or whatever. And so it was like, well, this, this is where I see myself in the future of something that I want to be. And, and I, I put it out there. I knew, you know, at that time frame, I'll be totally honest with you. It was to be a CEO of a fortune 50 company. That's what it was. And so I set that out there and I aspired to be that. And I knew, well, I need to get a college education more than likely, not just a bachelor's degree. I need to get a master's degree. Well, that, that went against everything within the army because as an NCO, a senior NCO, mind you, at that point I was an E7. If you start going and taking college classes, you're taking away from troop time. It doesn't look very favorable on you. If you're going to get a, a bachelor's degree, you know, it's probably going to be looked at a little bit worse than an associate's because you didn't really probably need it. If you go to try to get a master's, what are you doing? 
you know, you don't need you're a master's degree. You're not committed enough. You're not committed, yeah. exactly. But I did it. And I decided, you know, hell or high water, I'm going to finish this thing. I didn't get my master's and complete it. It took me like nine years or 10 years, by the way, to finish this whole degree process. I started it right away. And I gr uh, graduated with my MBA, I want to say six months before I retired, something of that nature, eight months. And when I set out after I got out of the military, I had already made all these plans. I had already built a network because that was part of the whole strategy. And the highest I did reach was a VP in a Fortune 50 company. But I never made it to CEO because once I reached that point, I realized that wasn't my dream. And so when you said five times to me, you're adjusting your whole life. You start reassessing. What are your priorities? What are your things you like? What do you dislike? What are, you know, and, and I reverted back to that same approach and started doing different things. And part of the, one of the things I did was this podcast because I realized that I had gone this distance and done this, but I'm not unlike anybody else who has a dream or, or wants to do something or be somebody. Um, and I thought if I could share not only my own experiences, but those of other people, how valuable would that be? And so that's kind of how this whole thing came about. But I love how you said it. I did it not even knowing the terminology, the approach or anything else. But I realized if I didn't set a dream that was realistic first, attainable, you know, achievable, um, you know, maybe second or something that I knew that I, I really wanted to do, then I, I would have never gotten there. I would say that as a researcher, it it's one of the most common things in my field to find that most people um, carry on through life like a tumbleweed in the wind, and they don't do those kinds of things. Many people borrow the culture that they're currently in, and they 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 take that as their own and, and and suggest to themselves that that is their their reason, their motivation, their purpose. Right. Uh, you know, like you were talking earlier, um, like like you were talking earlier uh, when I was in the military, you know, I, uh, it, I adopted all of the, the goals of the organization and that became my purpose. And then when I got out, you know, just didn't know what to do with myself, I had a plan. It didn't really work. That is so common. That's, I think, and, and I, I preach this thing constantly about uh, the difference between mediocre and exceptional, right? It, it, there's times when you want to be a member of a team, when you want to be a part of the organization, when you want to be a member of, um, of, a, uh, of a highly motivated and highly effective team. Absolutely. You, you know, no one person's better than the other. You're all an integral part, a cog in the wheel that makes everything function and, and work really well, right? In all other ways, I argue that you should be exceptional. In all other ways in your life, you should not be just like everybody else. You should not be mediocre. The world is filled to the living hilt with unprecedented, absolutely deplorable and disgusting mediocrity, where very few people are truly exceptional and rise above and shine above the rest. I argue every person should be striving for exceptionalism in their entire life. Very few people do. And so the plight of the mediocre is they do they do that. They, they move along whimsically. I can't even talk now. They move along uh, whimsically. Yeah, like like a, a, a tumbleweed in the wind. Right. They move along. as just another member of the crowd and they adopt the crowds overarching goals, the crowds 
uh, motivational mindset, the crowd's purpose as their own. And suddenly one day when they're no longer a member of that crowd, they find themselves lost. This happens to college students. It happens to people in business, you know, who end up changing career paths or, or organizations. And it happens quite a lot to, to veterans in the military. When you're in the military, the military becomes your purpose, but it's not your real purpose. But we're conditioned what, this of, way, though, right? I mean, we're conditioned not only just as a high school student to go to college. We're conditioned when you're in the military to to play that role. And and, and I think all of us did that. You know, like when we I all do. Yeah, we all we all do. But the problem is that what you need to do is think for yourself for once. Not that I mean, you're yeah. not conditioned to do that, but you do. You need to exercise some critical thinking. You need to think for yourself. What is my purpose? And and and. I guarantee you, your purpose is not going to be the same as everybody as the organization. And most most veterans don't do this either. They don't realize early on in their career that the military is not forever. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had the same goal. I had a similar goal as you uh, where my goal was, you know, 30 years CW5 retired. That's what I wanted. That's that was my goal in life. And that was ripped away from me. And I spent a few years uh, just just destroying myself uh, internally uh, afterwards. Uh, throwing a, a fit like a little girl did you have a goal and, in the military and then out type of thing because i mean i had one within the military that up until no. the point where i kind of figured out oh you didn't okay <laughs> i didn't i yeah. didn't my goal my goal in the military was was just that and then after retirement i was i just i was just like that's it i'm done right that's uh, that's all i wanted <laughs> i figured you know i figured that that would be good enough um most people do that though most people when they're young in a military career um, and I would say in any career, it's not just the military, right? They don't consider that this is not forever. And so they are conditioned to believe that those that those uh, organizational goals, those community goals, those social goals are their own and to adopt them as their own. And then one day when there's a rude awakening that all of a sudden they're not a part of that anymore, they become lost. So what they didn't do was they didn't exercise a little bit of um, critical thinking, a little bit of selfish nature in there. And think about themselves and say, what are my goals? What, what is my purpose uh, beyond this? You know, and then do what you did and what I eventually did as well. And, and, and reverse plan and begin working towards that. And then if something changes, like, you know, like all things in life, we we grow, we adapt, we change, we shift uh, directions. When that happens, start the process over again. What do you, what do you think about this? Patty, in terms of like, you know, those individuals that might find themselves within the military where the op tempo is so much where they, they can't really take the time to even think about that next step there. And they're currently maybe even living in the moment anyway. Yeah, I, I think, I think this is a great discussion. And I think, I think I should go, probably go back and say, there's nothing wrong with being 18 years old or 22 years old and not really knowing what you want to be when you grow up. Like, right. I love the fact, um, AJ, that you're totally challenging agree all of us to say, Hey, like, take some time, pull out that piece of paper and just talk about like, what, what drives you? What, what do you, you know, what are you excited about? Um, but sometimes that, you know, we just don't know if you asked me, I, I am, I am a great example of a kid that went to college because that's what you were supposed to do. Right. My parents, my mom was a high school graduate. My dad was a ninth grade dropout. And somehow they just had the three kids convinced you're going to college. That's just it. We don't know how we're paying for it, but you're going right. Um, I drew the short straw of ROTC, which turned out to be amazing because I didn't I didn't have a plan. Right. And I am also a kid that I was not a STEM kid. So what kind of degree do you need to serve in the army? A degree. Right. Great. I can do this. <laughs> 
Um, and so, and so, you know, with my history degree, was I going to be a history teacher if the army didn't work out? No plan. None at all. Uh-oh, oh, we we lost, her. lost her. <clears throat> I think she hit a button. <laughs> I wondered. <laughs> you there, Patty? Hold on. I could I could try to talk like I'm Patty. I'll make the vo- I'll make the voice and everything. <laughs> um, she's not coming back. It cool. says it's she just sent me a screenshot showing um about 28 minutes remaining is what it says oh. underneath the little bar. You know. Oh, nice. so I was kind of thinking maybe we shift gears a little bit because so we have a plan, right? Like we've backwards planned what our goal is and we've set our date and we want to manifest this reality, but like just we're talking about motivated mindset. What happens when life starts creeping in and you have start having self doubt and thinking, okay, is this really the plan for me? Or am I capable of doing this? And like, how do you sustain that? Cause most of these things that are worth doing, it's, you're not going to do it in six months. You're not going to do it in a year. It's going to take a long, long time. Like Robert, in your case, it took 10 years yeah, for you to get to where you have oh. the education you needed to start. I was going to say, not, that was just the, that was just to yeah. start the process, the new process all over again. Yeah. So, so, how, so how do you maintain that motivated mindset for that <clears throat> period of time? Because you raised a family in this time. The Army went through changes in that amount of time that probably affected your career and your life day to day. You got PCS. And, and that's happening when you're out, too. I would say that that's another million-dollar question, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh Again, there's there's a lot of things I think that um, that that play into that. Uh, how resilient you know the individual is, what what degree of resiliency that you that you maintain. Uh, remember these these are things that you're talking about that it's internalized motivation, not externalized motivation. And I remember you know, earlier in the conversation when I was telling you that um, that there's two different types of motivation, internal, external, but there's not. There's really only one. The only real form of motivation is internalized motivation. External motivation is not real motivation at all. It's just, it's it's going through the motions. It's something that you do to get out of a consequence, right? The consequence of being cold is being frozen. The consequence of not listening to your boss is losing your job. External motivational factors are not real motivation. It's, it's just uh, you taking action to avoid a consequence. Internalized motivation uh, inherent within leadership is positive. So... It's 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 a it's a lasting type force uh, that that could drive you through those hardships. So if you're truly internalized, if you have true internalized motivation, you're truly motivated to do something. Uh, that should give you a high degree of resiliency to help get you through those setbacks, to get you through hard times, to get you sh- through shifts. The I would say that another good factor is is good proper planning. You know, you're just talking about reverse planning um, a process. Well, in any good in any good plan, you have contingencies. You have you have alternates, uh, alternate courses, direction, right? Tertiaries, all of these different things should provide you another goal, and that would be the third thing is short term goals. Earlier, you were talking about like, well, having a long term goal uh, can be too far off to 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 be motivated for it. So, having a short term goal gives you a sense of accomplishment when you achieve it, uh, giving you a little bit more fuel to get you to the next goal. It's great to have a long-term goal. It's great to have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. It's great to have, say, this is my purpose in life, and I know that this is something that I'm going to be working towards for a long time. As a part of your plan, to achieve that great and meaningful thing, to summit that mountain, 
you need lots of other things to occur. You need lots of little little goals to happen along the way to add up to getting towards that big goal, right? So you break them down. You're like, well, before I can do this, I need this big thing to happen. And in order to make that big thing happen, I need this medium thing to happen. The dominoes. In order to make that. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I would say focus on those. You know, keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on, you know, on the horizon. But focus on those little goals and work towards those. And as you achieve them, let that become the new source of fuel for the motivation that keeps you going. Setbacks happen. Things happen. Sometimes you may get halfway into something and say, wow, this is not what I thought it would be. And I need to shift gears. I need to find something else. But that's why I say it's so important for people to to step back from the beginning and really spend some time with themselves critically evaluating what it is that's important to them in life and not focusing on something that is uh, shallow and surface level like i want this dream job i want to be the ceo of a company uh not knocking on uh, go <laughs> ahead go I'm ahead go ahead pick on me aj right. <laughs> it needs to be deep and meaningful yeah so it needs to be something that that is truly inspiring to you on a very personal and deep level that's that's why I say purpose is is the thing. I, I come back to that every time. What's your purpose? And your purpose shouldn't be borrowed. Lots of people borrow things temporarily. That's fine. I'm not arguing against that. But I'm saying yeah. that your purpose as an individual needs to be something that is at the summit of your life's plan. And quite honestly, I use this analogy quite a lot. Your life should be a mountain with no summit. You should never peak. You should never come a time in your life when you say, I've peaked and it's all downhill from here. There is always room for growth. I don't care until you're on your deathbed. There's something new you can learn. Your life should be a mountain with no summit. Your purpose should be unattainable. Because having it unattainable keeps you motivated and striving toward it. It's that bar that's forever out of reach, right? You, you can just touch it with your fingertips. And when you think you can grab it, it moves a little further. And as you continue trying to strive to reach that bar eventually you're going to be able to look back and, and marvel at how far you've gone in life. But we're not necessarily talking about just transition. I, I don't want to confuse people uh, because I think that so many people think of this as being, well, I'm not going to be getting out for eight years, 10 years, six years, two years, you know, whatever the, the time frame may be. So what you're describing here is not something I need to focus on right now. When the reality is it's absolutely important, not just for, post-military but even within the military because you could be doing these exact same things that we just described to find your purpose even within the military absolutely totally agree uh as, as the motivated mindset that you know that is is derived from 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 all of these these different thought exercises so you can do them at any time and it's that's part of you know the whole uh, self-betterment leadership development and personal growth uh, a discussion that we had on the previous episode, right? Uh, where all things done well create growth and leadership is capable of being exhibited even when no one's around to see it. That individual contributor idea where as long as you're doing the right thing and you're focusing on self-betterment, then you are producing leadership in action. Uh, even if no one can see it, it it's, it's happening. Uh, so these are things that you can do at any point in your career at any time in your life. Uh, you can focus on uh, finding and outlining a, a, a purpose for your life. Uh, 
uh, and a direction for, to work towards while you're in high school, when you're in college, when you're enlisted, uh, whether you know you're mid-career as an officer, or even retiring and transitioning, or just transitioning and getting out and moving on to bigger, better, better things in life. You can do this at any point in time, and I argue that people, the sooner that people do begin this this process, this thought exercise, the the better off they'll be for it, because these are the things that do generate internalized motivation and they do help put your mind in the right space to, to be able to work towards those, those goals, the, the accomplishment of great and meaningful things in your life to produce exceptionalism as an individual. Yeah. So let's kind of go through uh, once again, what those actions are that they actually need to do. Um, and what you described is something just as simple as maybe taking a piece of paper writing down the things you like or dislike about maybe even your current job, um, what you would like or dislike as far as hobbies and things that you do on a daily basis, you know, um, especially if you have um, a way and a path that you then start aligning to where you can do something that you enjoy doing, like a hobby for a job and get paid for it. I've always said that's the holy grail. Because that it, is kind of the holy grail. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Because I mean, a lot of people strive for that, provided it truly is. Now there are people who say, well, "I, you know, I aspire, I want to do X," you know, because I love doing it as a hobby. And then they get there and they find out that once it turned into work, it's no longer any fun. Uh, yeah, that can that can happen. So I mean, case in point, um, I, I love teaching and I love uh, coaching, mentoring, guiding people. Um, and in the military, uh, I was an instructor for, for a long time. So I, I loved doing it. It did become a job. Uh, but that didn't, it, for me personally, that didn't, uh, I didn't grow some kind of uh, an- animosity toward the act of doing it. What I hated most was like paperwork and crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's a great today, point because see, what you, that was what I was describing is write down the things of that that you dislike. So, well, so I, I have to agree with you and I have don't. Um, if we're talking about a motivated mindset, there's there's a particular frame of mind that you should work on developing. And that is, I would argue, to cut out negativity and to cut out things that are negative. Now, I'm not arguing against being a realist. I'm not arguing that you shouldn't be realistic about things. Um, but I do argue that you shouldn't be focused on things that are bad, that are negative. Understand they're there uh, and be realistic about your goals and your dreams. Absolutely. But... Stay focused on positive, uh, on positive outcomes. Stay focused on on good things uh, that you that you enjoy, that you want to strive and work toward. And this is not a this is not natural for human beings. Our brains are 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 developed to pay attention to negativity. We're, we 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 have evolved uh, a defense mechanism, if you will, a survival instinct to pay attention to negative things, bad things, uh, bad influences. Um, a long time ago, this is what kept us out of trouble, right? So we focus on negativity, and that's why uh, the news media is so popular, right? That's why you see it prolifically on social media, you know, 10 minutes in the comic section, section on Facebook, and you'll find the worst of humanity. Uh, negativity is a, is, a, is a disease of the mind, and it will corrupt you, and it will prevent you from doing any of those things. It will prevent you from reaching your goals. So I do argue that you shouldn't, Focus on writing down all the things you hate, because all that does is at the very most basic subconscious level is it it reaffirms your the the negative mindset. Hmm. Having a motivated mindset is is a trained 
mentality that you have to spend a significant amount of time uh, to to reshape the way you th- see things into a positive uh, a positive light, right? To be to be a positive and optimistic person and not a pessimistic person. Instead of complaining about things, finding silver linings, being thankful for what has occurred and what has happened, uh, regardless of whatever the outcome may be uh, in your in your life or your job or even in the here and now, tomorrow, you know, or right now today, finding a way to, to feel thankful for what you have versus complaining about what you lost, right? The, the, these tiny little things make a huge impact on your mentality, your mindset, uh, and your ability to be resilient to to negative consequences and change. And I think that that has a huge impact on your ability to effectively create a plan, strive towards goals, and achieve them. So when when you're going through this process and you're hitting these little benchmarks and your your small goals, you know, and you're stacking up these bricks so that you can finally get the thing that you're building towards ultimately. I like your, what you said. You're pragmatic. You're going to have to do things you don't like to do. Like just because you have to pay the rent or you have to pay your mortgage doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy your house because you got to pay this big payment. Like it's just part of the deal. But when you do, like, how do you, how do you stay motivated when you have those days when all you have to do is paperwork and that's just the nature of the beast. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just the way it is, but you dislike doing it. And then you get to go the next day and you get to do whatever teaching task it is that you do enjoy. Like, how, how do you find a way to balance that in your mind or in your perception? I, I, I think it's different for everybody, but for me, um, I get really, really sincerely grateful when I finally do get to do the things I want to do. Um, to, I'm, I'm a professional diver an occupational diver today. Uh, and I do a lot of teaching. Uh, I hate spending a lot of money to get, uh, <laughs> to get things. Right. I had to spend yep. a an ungodly amount of money uh, after I left the military to take the certification level that I was currently at at the time and build myself up to becoming an instructor uh, and then a technical diver and then working on things like reef breathers and mixed gas and, and, and going beyond certain depth limits and stuff like that. That cost me a lot of money. I hated doing that. I loved every second of being in the water, of being crushed under pressure at depth. Right. And I I thoroughly, thoroughly love and enjoy watching my students grow. I, I love that moment about nine hours into it when all of a sudden they, they, their brain just clicks and they discover what neutral buoyancy is in the water. It was the same thing when I was active duty, when I was flying. That, that moment of clarity when all of a sudden you can watch somebody when the light bulb goes on in their brain and they suddenly understand what's going on. To me, that, that was the achievement of success in that particular mission at that exact point in time. I hated the buildup to it. I couldn't stand the the bills, the mountain of paperwork and all that crap, right? But for me personally, I have I have this just this awe sense of gratefulness that thank God I get to do this. You know, praise the Lord that this is able to happen. Uh, and that I'm able to sit here in, in wonderment and wonderment and watch somebody else uh, uh, sprout and grow, right? Because to me, I get enjoyment out of that. And I think that for every person, it's kind of different. For, for you, what may uh, build your resiliency to, you know, the negative things that, that happen along the way may be different than, my, than me, may be different than, than anybody else. That's something you're going to have to find and you're going to have to answer for yourself. There's no expert. And, and I, I got news for everybody out there. There's, there's no expert on leadership. 
there's no such thing as an expert on on personal development. There's there's a lot of psychology and there's a lot of theories out there, but there's no one person that can say, I can tell you how to do this. I can tell you how to overcome this if you follow my strategy. There's no there's no get rich quick schemes on when it comes to personal development. It just doesn't exist. There's no person who says, I have a nine step plan. Bullshit. You got to figure this stuff out for yourself. And quite honestly, that takes a lot of hard work. And that's just the reality of it. And we hate doing it. But in the process of doing so, in the process of climbing that mountain that I was talking about before, you can eventually look back and just marvel. You may not be at the top. You may look up and say, wow, I have so much further to go. Thank God. Thank God, because I should never peak in my life. There should never come a point in my entire lifetime till the day I'm on my deathbed where I can say I've peaked. But I should always be able to look back and marvel at how far I've gone. And that that sensation, that 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 thought process, I think that that's different for every person. You, that's something you're going to have to find. Um, AJ, you wrote a book, Tactical Pause for Daily Growing Leaders. And I think some of the stuff that you may be talking about here is also within the book uh, because it is a book that's really about 90 days of real life combat veteran mentorship intended to motivate, inspire, and guide you along your journey towards a purpose-driven self-betterment, um, leadership development, and achievement of success. So, you know, I, I encourage a lot of people to go out there and um, search for either armyveteranaj.com or go out and, and search for the book Tactical Pause for Daily Growing Leaders, and you can find it on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and those types of things. Part of the, the stuff that we talked about here is that within the book that people can then go and get and, and use as perhaps a guide of some of the things that we've even talked about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my book was written using uh, uh, years of research that I had to conduct myself and my own personal experiences and basically rebuilding my life <laughs> post-service. And we, that transition that I went through was really hard on me. And uh, one day I kind of had to look in the mirror and say, this isn't me. And I spent a year uh, using the research that I'd conducted prior to that to take notes every day find something that I can improve upon and work towards that. And then I used those lessons that I had to learn to, to write the book. Uh, the book is a 90 day mentorship guide and it's, it's, it's purpose is to be used as a tool by the reader, uh, to provide people with, uh, some guidance and, uh, and some mo motivation, a little bit of coaching, uh, to help them develop that same mentality, that same mindset that they can achieve anything. They can overcome anything. They can, you know, scale any mountain over, you know, overcome all odds, weather any storm uh, to achieve their goals and be successful at life and grow as a person. Excellent. AJ, thank you so much for coming on the show once again. Uh, for people, once again, episode 250, you can go back and, and, and listen to uh, AJ's beginnings and then uh, some of the topics that we rolled into on that show, um, as well as this one. Two great shows. Appreciate you coming on and taking time out of your busy schedule, man. I appreciate your time and thank you so much for having me on.